to the Album Nerds Podcast with your hosts, Andy, Todd, and Tude. Hello, hello, hello. It is Album Nerds Podcast time. I'm Dude, got Andy and Don with me this lovely day. Guys, how you guys doing? You guys sing to me. Hey, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Undiscovered talent. Yeah. Doing good. Doing good. Trying to uh, find my hidden Southern heritage here in in spirit of today's episode. So you can call me Yendi. Extra Y. Yendi. Yendi. (laughs) Yendi. 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 It's it's pronounced Andy, but it reads Yendi. How about you there? Down. Hey, y'all. I'm as excited as all get out. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were going to do one of those. I'm more excited than a toad in spring or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That's about as much excitement as we've gotten uh, down on the top of the show. Yeah, I know. I know. It's it's wake up time. Uh, All right. So here we are, the album nerds. We've got a great show for you today. We're talking about three albums. We're answering a question, and we're spinning the wheel of musical destiny at the end of the show to find out what kind of albums we'll be talking about next. But this week, we're jumping into Southern Rock. That's what I'm talking about! Yeah, so Southern Rock is a a subgenre of rock music developed in the southern United States from rock and roll, country music, and blues, and is focused generally on electric guitars and vocals. Your early rock and roll had origins in the South, uh, but in the 60s, you have the British Invasion and and folk rock and psychedelic rock. In the mid-60s, blues artists like Lonnie Mack, and then later you have Creedence Clearwater Revival, Canned Heat, and the band that kind of incorporated Southern blues into their music. And then, you know, in the 1960s, 70s, that was really the, the peak of Southern Rock. You've got artists like the Allman Brothers Band, uh, Marshall Tucker Band, Skinnerd, ZZ Top, Molly Hatchet, 38 Special, uh, and so on. Uh, and, you know, Southern Rock uh, lives on and it's been fused into many of the other uh, rock subgenres. So today we're, we're each going to present a Southern Rock album. Thank you for defining that undefinable thing, Don. It was tougher than I thought. Southern Rock is a shorter list. It is more focused in the 70s, like the the, the pure stuff. There are newer bands that, that do Southern Rock, Blackberry Smoke, uh, Whiskey Myers, and the Steel Woods, to name a few, and those are ones I like. Uh, but I, I thought about going with one of the classics, Allman Brothers, ZZ Top, but I wanted to get a little weird. I wanted to find something that maybe people don't talk about too much, so that's the direction I went this week. Uh, how about you, Andy? Yeah, I was a little surprised by this genre, too, that I, I thought I knew pretty well, but there were a lot of bands that came up that I was surprised were defined as Southern Rock. I didn't really care for that much, to be <laughs> honest. Bands like Black Oak, Arkansas. Did you guys listen to them at all? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Doc Holliday, Molly Hatchet. Didn't, didn't really love much, that much of that stuff, but some of the more modern stuff, I guess, I, I kind of enjoyed, and that's one of the groups that I picked up. So we'll get to that shortly. Yeah, I, I mean... I- I kind of had the same problem when we did uh, hair metal and it's, it's just hard to define. And, and it, it does tend to be more about how people look uh, and what time period it, it's from, I think, because I mean, really, we're, we're just talking about blues rock, uh, you know, for, for the most part. 
And I, I think that that label of Southern rock, you know, really just kind of helps with marketing. And it, and it certainly, you know, if it, it helps you to find other artists that are, that are similar. And it, you know, it was a, it was a fun experience actually going through a, a lot of the, you know, the albums in the, in the seventies, you know, really when I, I think Southern rock was, was in its heyday. But it was also interesting when you're, when you pull up lists of like the best Southern rock albums of all time, there's some pretty, Big stretches uh, yeah. on there. I mean, there's people yeah. including Johnny Cash and R.A.M. Right. And <laughs> yeah, I, I read somewhere that back in the mid '80s, bands coming out of Georgia like R.E.M. that uh, record labels were trying to the new South, the new Southern rock. They're trying to make a genre e category to to use to promote these bands, but it didn't it didn't uh, take hold or work. But uh, with that being said, I think it's time that we choose. You choo choo choose me. All right, so we're going to start with uh, the debut album from Leonard Skinnerd. Uh, actually, I mean the album title is kind of clever. It's it's in parentheses uh, and it says uh, pronounced Leonard Skinnerd. If you see the album cover or the album listed, uh, it looks like Leonard Skinnerd pronounced Leonard Skinnerd. Uh, so that's clever. I think uh, that was released in uh, August 1973. Let's listen to uh, a song called Poison Whiskey. So Leonard Skinnerd were, were actually formed in, in 1964 in Jacksonville, Florida, and there was a kind of a rotating lineup. Uh, but the lineup that recorded this uh, album was uh, Ronnie Van Zant, who's the uh, provides the vocals and the lyrics. Uh, you've got Gary Rossington uh, on guitar, also Alan Collins on guitar, Ed King on bass, Buddy Powell on keyboards, and Bob Burns on drums. So the the three words I, I chose to to describe the album were biker bar jukebox. I guess kind of stereotypically, you know, when I think of Southern rock and I think of Skinnerd, um, you know, I, I just think of you know some saloon somewhere. Uh, and when you go to the jukebox, it's all these these Leonard Skinnerd songs. Uh, I don't know. There's just uh, you know just something about it. You know, it, it just. I think really sort of captures that bar atmosphere. Yeah. So, uh, what do you guys think of the the Skinner album? Yeah. Well, I, I, in my mind, it is it's hard to separate the South and drinking. Um, that you seem to go hand in hand. So, my my three words this record are definitive, pronounced definitive, uh, <laughs> definitive <laughs> with a Y. Clever. Uh, yeah. I I mean, this is this is a pretty iconic record. I think my opinion in terms of establishing this genre i mean definitely have like the almond brothers that were pretty influential uh, maybe before them but i think this really brought it to like the forefront and i think this is probably what people reference the most when they think about southern rock so awesome pick glad we got to talk about it yeah i was i guess really surprised at how for a debut record how much they sound like themselves i guess like they're definitely pulling from some other genres here but they really have a definitive kind of distinctive relatable sound here that sounds you know like leonard skinner and it's pretty pretty recognizable so that's pretty awesome for a debut record to have that distinctive a sound if you say southern rock leonard skinner is what comes to mind I've, i feel like they are the genre the other bands that are included sh- yeah but <laughs> allman brothers and stuff but allman brothers i feel like more of jam bluesy like th- this is if you say Southern Rock, it's it's Skinner. And I I've listened to their albums over the years. This one a couple of times, but I never really gave it 
the proper attention. And man, what a incredible debut album. Yeah. I mean, as Andy was saying, it, it's pretty amazing that this was their debut. It's perfect. Um, I'm going to say my three words. Smooth Southern whiskey, because that's it. Just goes it like it's got the sharp bite, and it just goes down smooth. And the whole thing is enjoyable. There's thoughtful lyrics. There's important stuff being said, but there's also a lot of fun being had. It's just a perfect blend of uh, corn and all the other crap that goes into whiskey. So. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's awesome. It, it was uh, I really enjoyed listening to this one. Yeah, one way I, I know that that I've got a, a great album I'm, I'm dealing with is you know when it's really difficult to to pick songs uh, you know clips of songs to to play. But I, I'll go with uh, uh, with this one here. I mean, one thing I love about all the songs on this album is they just have really distinct intros uh, and kind of uh, I mean I guess they're sort of iconic. Let's do Simple Man. I mean, you, you just know something good is is coming after that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's such a great song. I, yeah. I mean, I've always felt like it's hard to define the South in like one song, but if if you had to, I feel like that kind of like that ethos that that song describes is kind of what I relate to the South being just kind of standing up for the good things and and uh, just keeping it, keeping it simple. Yeah. So Andy, you mentioned you know how like fully formed the this this album is you know for a for a debut, uh, and you know, apparently this was uh, you know a group of songs that they had been uh, working live for a long time. So by by the time they they got into the studio to to record it, the, you know these songs were basically fully formed, and I, I was surprised to find out that actually there wasn't uh, you know a ton of improvisation in the studio. A song like Freebird, uh, you know, that just has that long instrumental ending, you know, you, you would think some of that just, uh, you know, was kind of free flowing, but I, I think, you know, it was uh, very intentional. Uh, why don't we do that? I, I, I was kind of torn about, um, you know, playing a clip of Freebird just because it's, uh, you know, just Freebird. Yeah, it, free <laughs> it's just so, so known. Um, but anyway, well, let's, uh, you know, let's hear a little part of, of Freebird. One of the things I uh, I love about this album is there are great songs, there are iconic songs, there are songs you've heard a million times, but I'm not. None of them have been ruined. There are other Leonard Skinner songs that have been ruined, mm -hmm. like "Sweet Home Alabama" has just been decimated by bad covers and Kid Rock. But um, <laughs> Kid Rock ruined anything. None of these songs are are ruined, and they. You'd think they would be with the amount of times I've heard them, but they're not. Like we've been talking about, this presentation here is so perfect. And, you know, it's 1973, right? We're talking analog. We're talking people standing in a studio together. And it is, it's, it's just, it's just sounds great. I got some of the charm is just kind of about, it's raw, but there's so many good ideas here and so many distinct ideas. Like each track really stands on its own. There's not really any. It's only eight songs, but there isn't any misses. It's just consistently impressive. 
them. Yeah, and if you've listened to classic rock radio at all, I mean, you know at least four or five of these songs. Uh, you know, you've got Give Me Three Steps and, and Tuesday's Gone. You know, the, all the other cuts are, are great as well. Um, yeah, it's really, you know, perfect, uh, perfect execution. I love Give Me Three Steps. I love the message because he's choosing not to engage yeah. <laughs> in a fight, you know? Instead of it being a brawl song or a, or I shot him dead or whatever that would be stereotypical gunslinger type stuff, it, instead it, it uh, I really like I, I like the message of it and it's it just sounds fun. Yeah, that's that's a good point because I, I do think Leonard Skinner is is probably misunderstood a, a little bit. You know, I mean, they come across as a very sort of uh, macho band, but you know that's a good point. You know, I, I think there's there's some some pacifism going on and uh, mm-hmm. which is why i think that the whole neil young southern man controversy that came later and then even a band from florida bringing alabama uh into the into the mix i think they after this album i think they did start to embrace that more the south as opposed to just some really awesome songs that's a good point yeah, I I do that <laughs> occasionally. <laughs> okay, uh, well, I uh, I want to nominate this for the Album Nerds Hall of Fame. What? The Ainhoffs. Ainhoff alert! Album Nerds Hall of Fame nomination incoming. So, um, I would I would say that this is you know perhaps the the definitive Southern rock album, and I think for that reason, um, plus it's just. It's just enjoyable. You know, it's like a, a perfect album, I think. So, uh, how do you guys vote? Uh, I mean, as much as I'd love to stir up some controversy, uh, after we've gushed over this record for the last 10 minutes, it's pretty hard to. So, yeah, I will definitely second to your nomination. It is 41 minutes and 49 seconds of pure enjoyment. So, I'm going to say no. <laughs> <laughs> Should have been longer. Damn it. I'm going to say no because Don got to present this album and not me. No, I, yeah, absolutely. No question. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, congratulations to, to Leonard Skinner, pronounced Leonard Skinner. You are now a member of the Album Nerds Hall of Fame. <laughs> Excuse me. I'd like to ask you a few questions. Everybody loves being asked questions. So much so that we ask ourselves questions here at the show. <laughs> Our question today, what else besides Southern Rock do you associate with the American South? Well, that isn't a loaded question. I don't know what it is, but my answer would be uh, the food. I love Southern cooking, man. Maybe some sweet tea, some biscuits and grits. I'm a happy boy. So yeah, I will definitely, anytime I'm... Uh, below the Mason-Dixon line, I definitely uh, seek out some food as soon as possible. So, have you guys ever had something like good Southern cooking from like Louisiana or something like that? Uh, I don't think so. Um, I'm not sure how accommodating they are to vegetarians. But, well, if you can do seafood, Dude, you can get by. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. No, even if you don't do, I mean, deep fried okra, really. Mm. Yeah, yeah they fry everything. Uh, what it's, about uh, fried green tomatoes? I I mean, those. Yeah, yeah, those are good. Anything oh. with breading, and hot fat. <laughs> you can find plenty of veggies in that. Uh, yeah, you're good. And just uh, put some barbecue sauce on it. You're good to go. Well, I, you know, I'm not sure 
I mean, you know, this is a great question to, to ask three Yankees. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, um, I don't know. I, I think a college football, you know, like the, the SEC, you know, the, the culture down there, you know, Alabama football and Auburn and all that. I, I think in, in, you know, one of the albums we're talking about, they actually mentioned, um, Bear Bryant. Mm-hmm. Uh, football coach yeah the, the football coach so yeah i know um college football is a um you know is a big thing down there uh whereas you know uh, up here in the in the northeast i think we tend to be kind of more like professional sports oriented maybe yeah no, you're right it's not so football centric i don't think well of the three of us i'm probably the most southern because i'm from the midwest which is the north south if you ask me <laughs> <laughs> the north south <laughs> i come from a red state uh so so yeah when i think about the south i think about nashville and country music Mm -hmm. and that that huge contribution to american culture a -hmm. positive one i think for the most part and a musical genre that i didn't spend much time in until the last 10 15 years and it's been nice to have a new pool to swim in a cement pond and uh, <laughs> and it's that's really what I think about is Nashville, Tennessee. When I think about the South, what about you? What do you guys think about? What do you associate with the American South? Keep it clean. Albumers dot com slash discord. Well, I can't breathe with your fucking ass. All right, so for my Southern Rock selection here, talking about a more modern group, Drive By Truckers, and their 2001 record, Southern Rock Opera. We're going to play a song here that kind of, I think, sums up the general premise of the record. It's called Southern Thang. All right, so this is the third studio album for the Athens, Georgia Southern Rock Five piece. Um, so this was their, kind of like their breakthrough record. It's kind of cool. They actually raised money, 23 grand from uh, crowdfunded uh, promissory notes, which was pretty revolutionary in 2001. Like there wasn't like Kickstarter and stuff back then. Um, so it's kind of very grassroots project here. About it. Oh, and the other thing, this came out. Uh, September 12th, 2001. If you recall the day before, was September 11th. So definitely kind of wrapped up in that history. But even with that sort of dark cloud over it, it was pretty well received uh, critically and has kind of, in hindsight, is even been looked on in a more favorable light. So my three words for this record are South Through Skinnerd. This record really, what it does is kind of takes a look through the lens of Skinner, I guess, and how that band affected South Southern culture, um, and particularly, you know, the members of Drive-By Truckers and, and kind of influenced them as, as they were growing up, exploring the duality of the South, which is a, a kind of like the common theme here for the record, um, kind of getting into some of the, the nuanced good and bad that comes with the territory, I guess, or their history. Um, yeah, so I really love this record. I thought it was very interesting. It's a long one. It's a double record, hour and a half long, but they cover a lot. And I think it's pretty cool. So what did you guys think of uh, Southern Rock Opera? I liked it, but I'm going to describe it in three words. Undercooked Southern Rock Feast. It's huge. It's got everything you could ask for in an album, but none of it is fully cooked. It's like, it just feels like a demo. It doesn't feel complete to me. 
and so that was my struggle. I like the songs. I like the the whole thing, the way they're telling the stories, the narrator, the tie-in with the uh, Leonard Skinner and how much music means to people. But my God, I just struggled through this thing. Every time I listened to it, I'd get like maybe three quarters of the way through and be like, is this almost over? <laughs> is it the length or like the quality that was getting you caught up on or both? I think both. I mean, I think the... What, the music wasn't interesting enough to hold me for, for to hold up that length. I think that was the problem. Like Leonard Skinner, nineteen seventy three, the production quality. I know they paid for this themselves, but the production quality, the arrangements, the musicianship, that was all perfect. This didn't. This was kind of flat, and that was my trouble with it. Even though I, I really did like it and appreciated what they were doing, and I've listened to their catalog over the years. Ugh, I hate I hate having negative things to say about it. Don, what did you think? Well, my three words kind of suck because I, I just did the the Southern thing. <laughs> I guess what I, I, I appreciated the edu- educational aspect of it because now um, it just occurred to me, you know, when we were talking about it uh, off air, that it, it almost feels like they're explaining the South to me, you know, as a, as a Northerner. And they're explaining Leonard Skinner to me because, uh, you know, I'll be honest, I've never really known how to feel about this idea that they've got like the the Confederate flag going and the, you know there's certain uh negative ideas I associate with with the south and I was you know kind of never sure where like where Leonard Skinner stood on that I think sort of with this theme of the the duality of the southern thing uh and there's that great track three Alabama icons or something like that you know where they're you know, basically the narrator's kind of walking you through Skinner and then George Wallace and also, um, you know, the Alabama football coach. Um, so I, I just, I mean, it, it was just a pleasure. I think the whole album kind of telling that, that Southern story to me, but it was, uh, uh, again, you know, dude had, had mentioned before we started recording that, you know, maybe this is an album that, you know, people in the North, like <laughs> yeah. not necessarily <laughs> yeah. uh, Southern. Yeah. That never occurred to me before we started Either, but I, I think you could be right because it really, it kind of plays almost like a history lesson. And it, maybe this is all redundant information if you grew up in this culture. But for us, for me, at least it was very educational. And you know, I think the more of any subject you get to learn the kind of the details and how things came about, um, you get to appreciate some of the, the nuance and how things aren't quite as black and white as we perhaps look at back at them today, especially as an outsider. So yeah, there's a few tracks that really kind of highlight that duality. And as Don alluded to, three great Alabama icons is one of them. The other one that I found really interesting is called Ronnie and Neil. It's about Ronnie Van Zant from uh, Skinnerd and uh, Neil Young, who were good friends. And but they kind of portrayed the South in very different ways in their in their art. So let's play a little bit of Ronnie and Neil. So I think in the media there was kind of this fabricated war between these two groups or these two individuals that they were kind of at odds with each other. <laughs> Imagine that in in today, like in the Twitter world, how much how much uglier that would have gotten. <laughs> it's like a they're diss tracks, right? Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> 
Yeah, because what that was referring to Neil Young's song "Southern Man" about some racial atrocities and stuff going on uh, down south, and and then the way that I always took that part of "Sweet Home Alabama," where where Ronnie is addressing Neil directly, it's more about you don't. There's more to us. Mm-hmm. Than that, I felt like it was a hey man. There's you know there are plenty of good folks here. Is what how yeah. I kind of took it. Yeah, hundred percent. And that that line, you know, a southern man don't need him around anyhow. It sounds kind of mean um, or almost like threatening. But if you understand that they are actually like friends, it, it sounds just kind of like a joke. You know, yeah, you know, southern man don't, don't need you around anyhow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. But I, I I mean for the betterment and of of all because of that little controversy, these are. These are songs and artists that we still talk about, like right now, and albums are made with those that being about a cornerstone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that is pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, so the, the first disc here really deals with kind of Southern culture and what growing up in it is like, um, particularly like how important football was and being like a jock and a football star was like a big part of, of growing up. And there wasn't really a place for the artist or the musician uh, in that culture uh, until a, grand, a band like Skinner came along and kind of made that popular or something people would look up to or aspire to. Um, so the second half of the record really deals with kind of this fictional band who basically takes the same trajectory or same path as Skinner did. It all kind of comes to a head at the end of the record with this uh, infamous plane ride and crash, which is obviously alluding to the plane crash that killed a few members of Skinner. So we are going to play the cut here called Shut Up and Get On The Plane. more ripping rocking songs on the record it's a pretty good mix in terms i would say in terms of energy as this record unfolds especially in the second half though i'd be lying if i if i didn't agree a little bit with what dude said of how maybe there, there could be a little bit editing to maybe make it a little bit more punchy or a little bit quicker especially on the second disc here i know budget was an issue and i know that they were trying to get this I mean, this is huge. This is, this is a opera. I mean, this in terms of scope. Is yeah, it, yeah. This is a, an enormous artistic undertaking, and it sounds like a dude, just to some degree, reading from his childhood diary or something. You know, like it really does feel like someone's life. But yeah, it just I, they just said I, I don't know. I, I don't. I would love to hear from fans of this and maybe get some other perspective on the production. But yeah, I had a had a heart like even that song we just played just felt over compressed and flat like I couldn't differentiate the instruments from each other very well, you know, it just all kind of felt mushed together. I think that's fair. I think it's fair. Um the concept was something they were kicking around since the the mid 90s, I believe, before the band even existed. Um the sort of idea of of telling this the story of the South in this large epic uh, storyline here, but yeah, so um, probably my favorite of Drive By Trucker's records, and I think it does a great job of kind of if you're new to the story of the South or want to know more about specifically Skinnerd, I think this is kind of like a fun little little educational piece to to kind of tell you some of that story in a in a compelling way. So the record is Southern Rock Opera by Drive By Trucker's. Uh, check it out if you haven't heard it. This is friendship. Pure, unadulterated friendship. Are you a music fan? Love the album format? Need to share your music tastes? Join us on the Album Nerds 
Discord, albumnerds.com slash Discord to talk with like-minded nerds, suggest show topics, and to find out what's next. Now I'd like to uh, slow things down a little bit. If I leave here tomorrow, would you still remember me? All right, so now the weird one. The probably unknown to most Pride and Glory, released June of 1994. Sort of Southern Rock. Sort of grunge, sort of metal. Zach Wild. With a Y, right? Jeez, yeah. What's this is his first project uh, <laughs> after being in the Aussie band. Um, his his name is Zachary Philip Wild, but he was born Jeffrey Philip Wylant. Oh. But, Does that have a Y? But, Get rid of the tent. Uh, no, that's a W E I. Oh. L-A-N-D-T. So kind of like Scott Weiland, <laughs> almost. Yeah, that's some similarities. <laughs> so, yeah, he was known from being in, in Ozzy's band, um, and he was probably late 20s, mid-20s, when he did his first solo venture. It wasn't really solo, and it was called it was Southern Rock, even though he's from New Jersey. So why don't we, uh, why don't we listen to a little bit of Losing Your Mind. This was the first single, and get a taste of this thing. Yeah, so if uh, if a grungy band maybe threw a little banjo in, you know, then uh, then it's Southern Rock, right? <laughs> this definitely was heavily influenced by Southern Rock. From what I read, they jokingly, when they were coming up with the name for the band, they had played around with doing Leonard Skinhead with a Y, which oh I think gosh. would have been a very bad idea. <laughs> Very bad idea. Yes. But I, I think they were kidding. Um, Doesn't matter. So my, <laughs> my, my, my three words to describe this album are uh, metallic Southern grunge. I kind of already covered that. It's, it's fun. It's weird. I first heard it working at a record store, and I grabbed the free promo of it. And I occasionally come back to it and enjoy it. What do you guys think about this uh, weird blend? Right, well, the uh, the three words I, I chose to describe the album were uh, "bad Southern finger," which I, I was trying to make a play on the Soundgarden <laughs> album, the yeah. "bad yeah. Southern finger." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, when I when I read those, I'm like, "That's dumb," but now it makes perfect sense. Thank you. I like it. Uh, it's actually really good. That's the best one. Oh, just you wait. <laughs> so, <laughs> Um, so yeah, so just, you know, going off of the, you know, sort of the, the grunge meets, uh, Southern rock thing, you know, the great, um, thing about doing the show and listening to three albums from a genre, um, is you, you kind of see the evolution or, you, you know, you see how people are taking ideas and, and pushing them someplace else. So this is just Southern rock with, uh, it's just much heavier, right? It's really in your face and it's, it's grungy. It's, uh, it's effective. The, the thing that was like most surprising to me was just Zach Wilde's voice. I really only know him as the the guitarist for for Ozzy Osbourne. I never paid attention to the the Black Label Society records, so I I didn't know that you know that he could he could sing like this. I mean, he's not Chris Cornell, but he approaches vocals in a in a similar way. Yeah, Black Label Society is just so uneven. Like there are good songs on some of those records, but. None of them are as interesting as this to me, which I think is why I've I've come back to this because I do like his voice. Oh, and Don, he was also the guitarist for Steel Dragon in the movie Rockstar. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. Stand up and shout. <laughs> 
Stand up and shout. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, my three words are cows ate my house because of the album art. There's this, like this old dilapidated house with cows standing around in the field. Is that supposed to represent like the South or what does that have to do with anything? I think it's just supposed to look, you know, pride and glory, pride in the South, South Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it might've been a, a bit of a flawed concept. I would have rather seen those three dudes on the cover. With their super long hair and their bell-bottom jeans, boot cut. Yeah, they got uh, a cool look. Very, very dude-esque in terms of their motif. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and dude-esque in terms of their producer, Rick Parashar, Temple of the Dog, Pearl Jam, Blind Melon, Allison uh, Chains. That explains a lot. So, I mean, these guys obviously aren't from the South. They have moments of what I would consider Southern rock on here, but I don't know. I feel like this was leaned a lot more into that grunge space, which is, you know, this is 94. That's what's going on. That's what's popular with the kids. Makes sense. But yeah, a lot of like Alice in Chains and STP kind of bleed into this sound here, which is cool. I don't know. I found like the, some of the more unique qualities of this to be more interesting, like the banjo and, uh, you know, there's a couple of songs that sound like they have like cello in them or some pretty elaborate string arrangements and occasional piano and stuff like that. That was kind of cool. I think where it really lost me was on the, the B side, I guess what would be the B side, the second half here. I just got kind of monotonous and I was usually about ready to check out by the end of it. Yeah, I agree. Mostly exciting stuff was in the first half. Some, you know, there were a couple of songs to keep you afloat, but yeah, a lot of ba- ballads at the end. Why don't we listen to an earlier track? Let's listen to a little bit of Shine On, which has got some nice harmonica in it, which Zach with two Ks plays uh, pretty well. Those are the moments when this album is like bordering on great, but it just, it it doesn't sustain... I mean, I've always liked this, but I've never loved it. But I just thought it'd be fun to talk about. I mean, who talks about this record? Uh, except for, you know, the handful of fans out there that are waiting for the reunion, which they keep talking about. So, yeah, the other two members are established musicians as well. James Lomenzo, uh, bass. I think he's currently playing in Megadeth. Brian Tiki drums. He's played in White Snake and a bunch of different bands, and I think they both may have been in White Lion at one point. So yeah, they uh, these were established dudes that knew what they were doing. And I, there's some great things here, but the '90s CD bloat, I think, <laughs> kind of ruins it. Yeah, to fill that CD, man. This is what I was thinking. If you took the drive-by truckers and their depth of meaning and the story, and it sounded more like this, that would be the perfect. That those two together, <laughs> I wish. Yeah. Pride by Truckers would be Pride perfect. <laughs> Sounds good, actually. It'd be a super group. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it's definitely an interesting record and kind of an interesting little snippet from time. You know, they just kind of did this one record and then everybody disbanded and that was kind of it. But it did have some, there was something there for sure. So there's some good songs on here. Troubled Wine is kind of a uh, Allison Chains ish. There's some really great bass lines on Toe in the Line. But you picked out a, a song that's got an awesome title and it's kind of fun to listen to. But you ruined it for me. 
Horse Called War <laughs> sounds like a Jack Black song gone bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way he sings the the chorus. I, I was gonna. That was gonna be one of my <laughs> clips, and, and you changed my mind. You urinated all over it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. It does though. I'm not going to say. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's listen to one final track, the chosen one. This one I think is one of the ones with a little bit of those strings and and some fuller sounds, which I thought they they did really well. Yeah, this was close, man. If they had trimmed it down, I know this was yeah. like eight songs, like the Skinner record. Yeah. Maybe this could have been great. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's one of those weird things from your past. You know, one of those weird things albums you pick up and kind of like and go back to occasionally that you never talk about with anyone. And I'm so glad I had an opportunity to talk about this one. <laughs> I've gotten it out of my system. So yeah, go check it out if you like uh, if you like your grunge and a little bit of metal and a little bit of southern rock. I think you'll find some great things here. There just might be a little more than you can swallow. Pride and glory. <laughs> <laughs> all right so what did we learn today i think it's pretty clear oh leonard skinner is southern rock <laughs> boom i'm done you guys go <laughs> i'm definitely a big part of it it's hard to hard to avoid them when you're talking about it i think my biggest takeaway is just like like we were saying don and i are like about the duality of the south and just being more to than what we see yeah especially from the north so digging into those details, I think was really educational for me, and I appreciate what the South is offering a little bit more now. Up north, there definitely can be a negative view of southern part of the United States, but the same stuff that we kind of accuse the South of goes on in every state, in every city, in every town, everywhere in America. And uh, I try and keep that in mind when I think about any regions. There's another great line from that Drive By Truckers album where he says. Uh, Something about, you know, it, it's convenient to give racism a Southern accent. Yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. It's easy to do. Uh, well, uh, I think we, you know, we, we said that you know, it's not really about uh, where the music comes from. It doesn't have to come from the South. You know, for example, like Creedence Clearwater Revival. You know, we're from uh, San Francisco. Zach Wilde's from New Jersey. Uh, if you're into, you know, bluesy rock with, with sort of a Southern feel. I mean, of course, there's the, the Rolling Stones with uh, Exile on Main Street came out in, in 71. And that's, that's very much like a, a Southern rock album. Uh, in fact, I mean, Mick Jagger sings with a southern accent half the time <laughs> yeah. which actually I, I, when you mentioned last week how uh people appropriate the the reggae voice um mm-hmm. you know the yeah. brits are definitely guilty of uh oh, yeah. of taking the, the southern <laughs> twang well the brits are also guilty guilty of overdoing the british yes, that thing like during <laughs> during, Herman's during the british invasion yeah they're like hey, it's like that's not how you talk you're just making sure people know you're british <laughs> Uh, I do want to make, uh, just because I, I tend to like all things British, uh, I do want to recommend um, uh, the Kinks album, Muswell Hillbillies, uh, which uh, I think came out in 71 or 72, which is, you know, sort of in this this uh, Southern rock uh, vibe, uh, maybe a little more country, but definitely check that one out if, if you can. Muswell Hillbillies. So if you picked a British band for a Southern <laughs> rock episode, man, that would have been awesome. That would have been awesome. Uh, yeah, I mean, then you've got your things that fall in these 
you know, ZZ Top and the Eagles. The Eagles are from California. ZZ Top is from Texas, but they, it's so tough. I mean, they kind of, they touch on that. It's Southern, it's country-ish. It's got its own flavor, but really the blues is the, is the root of all of it. Can't escape the blues. Perfect. Because that's one to grow on. I'm your density. Boys and girls, uh, children of all ages, gather around. Previously on the Wheel of Musical Destiny, we took a trip to the, the Deep South and New Jersey. Excuse me. And uh, let's find out where the Wadbot wants to take us next week. Your musical destiny is to explore albums by artists that performed on the original Lollapalooza tour in 1991. Uh, yeah, there's to be some good stuff here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that that first one was Jane's Addiction and uh, Rollins yeah. Band and Susie and the Banshees. There's your Halloween right there. Oh, Butthole Surfers, I think. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Listen to that one there's really. your Valentine's Day. Uh, okay it's uh i gotta read the thing (laughs) gross (laughs) (laughs) i feel like you did a johnny carson there (laughs) 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 Um, okay Uh, do you remember the first Lollapalooza what's your favorite southern rock album what else are you listening to let us know join fellow album nerds on discord at albumnerds.com slash discord you can email us at podcast at albumnerds.com or leave a voicemail at 585-210-2454 follow us on Facebook Instagram and Twitter at album nerds and if you'd like to support the show you can do so via PayPal at albumnerds.com slash support or leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen Thank you so much for joining us once again on the Album Nerds Podcast. We'll catch you next time when we talk about some uh, Lollapalooza. Nice for listening, everybody. See ya. Don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you. <laughs> one of my favorites. I've never heard that one before, actually. I like it. That means your butt crack.